Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 5, Chapter 9, The Last Debate, Exploring Greed in Community. So the title of this chapter is The Last Debate. Ellen, what is perhaps the last debate that you have had? Mm, the last debate that I have had? Mm-hmm. We recently just did our company's holiday party. And as the office's event manager, there was a lot of debate about a lot of things for this event. Um, like where are the bars going to go and is this high boy in the correct location and what color are we going to uplight the wall? <laughs> and so that was like a full, that was a full day of debate. Oh my gosh, actually I have one more. <laughs> I went out, I went out and I got sushi the night before mm-hmm. because it was like 9 p.m. Not a lot was open and I really wanted some soup and this place had miso soup and it was highly rated nice. and it was by my hotel and I was like, perfect, we're going to go. I walk in. I'm the only one there, which was <gasps> concerning. And I was like, that's fine. It's a weird hour. Let's go ahead and sit down. And all of a sudden I hear literally the worst singing that I have ever heard and I realize I am in a karaoke sushi restaurant. Oh no. And so there are two private rooms. One has the door closed. One has the door open. Um Bold. and they are going for it. Um it mm. was I almost recorded it. It was really it was really quite alarming. Um the the lack of uh, tonality or um, awareness that was yeah. coming out of out of that room. I'd, I'd really never heard anything quite like it. And so I had a long debate with myself about whether we're going to sit here and eat. Are we going to get sushi to go and go mm-hmm. sit in my hotel alone and eat? Mm-hmm. Are we going to make a stink eye and ask the server to please close the door? Mm-hmm. Are we going to sit here in silence and... <laughs> I went with the fourth option and I got yep. out my noise canceling headphones. Yes. <laughs> I sat there in the in the restaurant eating a truly unreasonable amount of sushi. Um, <laughs> taking off my headphones only to speak to the server and then putting them right back on. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. was an internal debate and it was tough, you know. It was really it was tough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I relate to that. I also, had you not said noise-canceling headphones, mm-hmm. that was, you know, in hindsight, I was going to Monday morning quarterback that situation by saying I would have just put on headphones. Yes, but they're like the big over-the-ear ones. And again, I am the only person sitting in the restaurant. So it's like a right. full mood to be like, yes, I would like to come out here, sit and eat. But weird. A weird night. Food was great. 10 out of 10 food. Really good. <laughs> Might go back. <laughs> I might go back. I the mochi ice cream at the end. Ooh. It was really good. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Yeah. Just um horrible ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of stories. Speaking of stories. 
Uh, it is your turn to share with us a story about greed. So mm-hmm. that's today's theme. What do you have for us? Well, this story actually kind of ties in with the sushi story because it's about food. Amazing. So we'll just we'll just weave that thread throughout throughout this episode. That was intentional. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> we are prepared. Yes, we're professionals. We've done this a bunch. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of my professional life, I have worked in and around catering. I really enjoy it. I love food. But I do sometimes think that unlimited free food or an open bar really brings out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. You could stop right there and that would be <laughs> such a such a thesis. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> If you, Anna, you've planned an event, but the listeners, if you've never planned an event, when you are doing a large gathering and there's going to be a sort of meal and there's a caterer there, they're probably going to ask you what what kind of food service you want at your event. You could do plated, you could do family style, you could do a buffet. There's just a lot of different ways to, to feed your guests. If you do choose a buffet, which is... You know, it can be fun, especially if you do it in, like, little stations. I always default to a buffet with servers. No self-service. Absolutely not. Because when left to their own devices, people get a little greedy. Mm -hmm. And they will absolutely pile up their plate, even if they can't eat it all. That means that there's extra food waste at the end of the night. Because anything that, once it gets on that person's plate, if they don't eat it, it's going in the trash. And it's also more work for the kitchen because you need to prepare a lot more food for a buffet, especially a self-service buffet, than you do when you do a service that's plated and you're doing your own portion controlling as the kitchen. So at weddings, I have seen, and weddings are always the worst, I'm so sorry, but weddings are always the worst. Mm -hmm. I have seen people grab multiple drinks for themselves, even before bar close. This isn't just the like, oh, bar's closing. Let me grab my last two beers. It's like, oh, we're starting. With we're starting with three. Three mixed <laughs> drinks. Yes, yes. I've watched this happen at so many events. Yes. I had one particularly memorable wedding when I was working for a caterer in Chicago. And we had a drunken groomsman, of course, request... More, more like demand that all of the left, all of the leftovers from the wedding be delivered to him. <laughs> this, this is a silly request for multiple reasons. <laughs> One, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, really, the practicalities of food transport. Where is the food going? How is it getting there? Safe serving temperatures. How are we keeping it from, you know, growing salmonella? Mm-hmm. All of that aside. I remember explaining to him that the buffet was closed, but cake would be served soon. I thought this would be like a nice little, you know, oh, you can't have this, but soon there will be something new. Mm -hmm. He was unmoved Mm -hmm. and he kept pressing me on why he couldn't have the food since it had already been paid for. And I explained that the staff were going to have the leftovers for their family meal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've ever been listener, a server at an event, but unlike serving at a restaurant, there is rarely a separate family meal prepared for everybody to eat at the end of the night like you would you would get at a restaurant. You just kind of keep your fingers crossed that there will be leftovers for you and the team. 
This guy was not impressed with our plan for the leftovers. And I remember him sort of like stomp swaying away in, in a medium temper that he couldn't have all of the leftovers from this 300 person wedding. <laughs> anyway, something about free things being given away just makes people really greedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Anna, I, I feel validated that you say that you've witnessed this as well. And it's it's not just me out there. <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely. There's a a company party that my partner and I have attended uh, a couple years from his his company that they offer. And it is um, a free plated meal. Very nice. The there's like a certain group of individuals who are invited and I kind of forget what the cutoff uh, to participate is. And you're allowed to bring your partner. And the bar is an open bar all night. With liquor? With liquor. Oh, God, I don't even do that anymore. We're like, no, it's just going to be beer and wine. (laughs) And it is, I mean, when I tell you it is chaos, we've stopped going in part Mm -hmm. because of how chaotic the end of the night is. Because Mm -hmm. you also have some of the higher ups who will, because like shots are also not off limits. (gasps) That's crazy. It is, it is the most bananas experience I've ever had in my life. And people are just, I mean, who bartends this? Where is this? I need details. I will I will tell you off air where this happens, okay. but it is just a it is a wild kingdom like experience. In summation, um a an all you can eat, all you can drink free food situation is the antithesis to community. Yes. I think is the conclusion we're drawing here. Yeah, we turn into straight hunter-gatherers. Um, and it's... it's a Hunger Games cornucopia-style feeding frenzy. Yeah, yeah. barbarism only. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is... That's been my experience. And, like, most people are chill about it, but it only takes a couple to be really obnoxious to truly ruin it for everybody else. Yeah, it's wild out there. It's wild out there, y'all. We're we're at the the when this episode comes out. Right now, we're in the middle of our our holiday season. But when this episode comes out, we'll be on the tail end of it. Um, so if anybody has some good some good stories from their company holiday parties or gatherings, we want to hear them. <laughs> Send them in, please. <laughs> well, that is my story mm-hmm. um, about greed. Uh, I'm going to tie it in to the chapter at the at the end with our action item. But before we can do that, we need to learn what happened in the chapter. Mm-hmm. Anna, would you please walk us through the events? I'd love to. And I'd say that this chapter is a little light on events because as the title suggests, there's a lot more conversation. I thought it was kind of a snooze. It was, was a little like, bit. This is the first snooze chapter I think we've had. It really downshifts in pace because we're no longer we're no longer at war. We're no longer uncovering, you know, mm-hmm. new plots or new characters. It's just a lot of discussion. Yes. A lot of debate. So we start with Gimli and Legolas entering Minas Tirith. They catch up with Merry and Pippin. Legolas recounts their journey to Minas Tirith, including the paths of the dead, and there's a lot of discussion about that. And then ultimately, they have a sort of long uh, debate strategy strategy session slash conversation um, with most of the fellowship, including Imrahil and Gandalf. 
and they discuss a couple of things. One is that Sauron knows the ring exists and is on the move, that the ring is on the move. If Sauron is defeated now, a great evil would be rooted out, and so this is a sort of net win for everybody in Middle-earth, that there is value in keeping Sauron's attention on this group and the companies that they command. So they decide to send a party east and soon. There's a discussion about not leaving Gondor unattended. So there's some discussion about who should remain. And then ultimately, our chapter ends with the party heading out to Mordor and almost certain doom. Have you seen that commercial? I think it's an insurance commercial or something where it's the ants and they're like going through the fridge. Yes. Expired. A lot of house to keep to keep clean. Mm-hmm. That is the energy that Legolas and Gimli were giving when they were walking into Gondor and they're like, stonework could use a little bit of work. And yeah. mm, it looks like they don't have a lot of gardens here. Well, don't worry. We'll take care of that. Yes. <laughs> they yes. Were just like overbearing picking aunts. apart. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> thought it was so funny it was and very charming that the two of them are like in secret i imagine kind of like whispering these comments back to back and forth and the rest of the mm-hmm. city is like is that an elf and a dwarf hanging out together and it's like oh if only you knew what they were chatting about like, stonework those humans i can't finish anything that they start the stonework right right <laughs> right i thought i did i thought that was a charming part i'm glad that you started with it in your recap Yes, and it it truly felt like the the appropriate place to begin because as you know, the rest of the chapter is a little uh it's a it's a little lackadaisical. Yeah, I mean we need it. We need this mm-hmm. to move the plot along. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. not Anna's favorite chapter. <laughs> this is not Anna's favorite chapter. Hot take. First one. Yep. First one of the of the book. Yep. <laughs> So that's what happened. Um, But where did you see examples of today's theme throughout those events and throughout that uh, conversation? I found today's chapter to be decidedly ungreedy. Like there were there were examples so aggressively of selflessness that I'm including them in here because I thought that there was there was a lot of it in here. And I'm like, oh, you know, what's the opposite of green? Oh, selflessness. OK, there we go. Now we're tying the thread. So <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk a little bit of where people actively chose to not be greedy mm-hmm. in the chapter. First example is on my page 158. Anna, who knows where that is in your book? I'm not even going to pretend to try. Truly a mystery. Truly a mystery. So at the top of the page, um, Aragorn, well, this isn't actually happening live, by the way, this is a story being told by Legolas and Gimli, but uh, after he has, Aragorn has used the hordes of the dead to take the ships that they are then going to sail down to the battle, he releases them. He says, quote, go back and trouble not the valleys ever again, depart and be at rest. And thereupon the king of the dead stood out before the host and broke his spear and cast it down. And then they 
like kind of fade away into the mist like Brigadoon. <laughs> and I thought that was a really selfless choice of Aragorn. They draw more attention to this in the movie where Gimli's like, what? Don't don't send them back. Keep them. But Aragorn sends sends them back and he honors his word. He says, no, I'm not going to keep this horde of invincible army men, even though it would really come in handy over like the next week and a half. Mm-hmm. He lets them go. And I thought that was a selfless choice. Absolutely. And I think this, again, just kind of draws attention to Aragorn's character as a leader in yeah. a way that really kind of really sets him apart from the other men that we see throughout our, our journeys thus far. And really sets him apart from Sauron, which brings us to our next example, page 161. This is when they're having their debate in their little camp outside of Gondor. And Gandalf is walking them through what he thinks we should do next. Pretty aggressively. He's like, we must, we must, we must, we must. All of the words, all of the sentences start with that. Uh, And Gandalf, in talking about Sauron, says, quote, He will take that bait in hope and in greed, for he will think that in such rashness he sees the pride of the new ring lord. And he will say, so... He pushes out his neck too soon and too far. Let him come on and behold. There's more, but I wanted to stop on that. Mm-hmm. Sauron is so the antithesis of Aragorn. He is so greedy for the ring. It, it is truly beyond his contemplation that Aragorn doesn't have the ring. That they wouldn't have it. That they would have held it in their in their grasp and then given it away and Mm -hmm. not only not used it but sent it to be destroyed this comes up later in the chapter but Sauron thinks that Frodo and Sam don't have the ring that they're spies it's just he can't he is he is not grasping what the plan is here he is so certain that everyone is acting in the same self-interested way that he is and that, of course, Aragorn has the ring. That's how they won that battle. And now, look, he's coming. And perfect. Now I can snatch it from him. Right. A little bit of projection happening from yes. Sauron. A little bit of projection. So my next example is on page 162. And this is a quote from Aragorn while he is sitting in his camp outside of the gate. He doesn't want to come into the, the city yet. And his quote is, quote, Nonetheless, I do not yet claim to command any man. Let others choose as they will. And I think Aragorn could have been a little greedy here and walked right on in and said, Yes, I am the king. I am now in command of all of these people. I've been waiting for this moment. Here it is. Yay me. And I'm in charge. And he chooses to take it slower than that. And I think it's it's selfless of him, Al- almost to the detriment of this group. Like, it would have been nice, I think. L- luckily, uh, Imrahil and Faramir are all on board with Aragorn. So they're like, yeah, 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 you can, we'll be there. You can use the men of Gondor, etc. But Aragorn is so selfless in taking up the, the power that he has. That he's really relying on the power of the the commanders and the people around him to make sure that this last plot is successful. 
I agree. And I wonder, had he outright elected to become king or elected to command the men of Gondor, I feel like Imrahil and Faramir may have been less inclined to follow totally. him then. So it I probably do think, wouldn't have worked. Right. I do think there is a bit of strategy and that makes it sound maybe less earnest than I think it is. Mm-hmm. But I think had had Aragorn not taken a more deferential approach, um, there could have been both a loss of resources as far as companies to command, as well as a fractured relationship between him and the other commanders who are of and um, in leadership positions for Gondor. Mm-hmm. The Swan Prince. Prince Amrahil. <laughs> do they actually call him that or did I just make it up? I I don't remember, I but don't I just had do. this immediate flash to Odette. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's how I have been picturing him the whole time as the the guy from the Swan Princess with like the, the Derek? weird hair. Derek. Oh my God. Yes. Derek. <laughs> forgot that name <laughs> what else is there what else is there you should write a book how to offend women in three words or less uh mm-hmm. that's that's what prince amrahil is he's derek he means well that's he needs a haircut that is something that i i will not be able to uncouple those two images now and i don't know that i'd want to Good. perfect <laughs> Okay, so I am now, we've made it now to my last example. And this one I am saying is greed adjacent. Mm. Uh, and you can tell me if it should be included or not. So going back to page 159, they're talking about, oh, we're going to go do this fight and blah, blah, blah. I want to be there. And Gimli says, uh, quote, yet whatever is still to do, I hope to have a part in it for the honor of the folk of the Lonely Mountain." And I for the folk of the great wood, said Legolas, and for the love of the lord of the white tree. And I admire both Legolas and Gimli wanting to be involved in this. And I I agree with Legolas's reason of like for the love of the lord of the white tree. Like, yes, you you love Aragorn and you wanna support him. I wonder if this is a little bit of a like a want for glory though, and a little bit of pride in their their race their people and i wonder if we put that as greed adjacent you know we i think it's pride one of the sins the seven deadly sins i feel like that's right yeah i think it might be it doesn't feel insidious to me though it feels mm-hmm. like if we walk this path too far we could end up like boromir mm-hmm. but i feel like right now like Alyssa and, and gimli are just they put like a toe on the path mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I'm I'm thinking about that question. So what is like what is greed? And is greed is there a usefulness to greed that negates maybe an otherwise negative impact on a on a given situation, right? So like if if Gimli and Legolas have the same attitude in their first meeting, right? Or if, if the love for their own people and need for glory is their primary driving factor in interactions, right? I don't think that allows them 
to knit together any kind of community or fellowship or friendship because those because their goals would be misaligned because those two goals I think could exist in in opposition to one another maybe in a zero sum like you either have it for them or you have it for them you can't have it for both uh maybe but I think, you know, in this space, it's like the right time and place to be a little bit greedy about, you know, wanting glory for your people because it aligns with the overall mission. Yeah. And thinking of Boromir, he was sort of greedy for glory from the outset. Right. He wanted to be the one to go on this quest, even though it was Faramir's dream. He wanted to take the ring for Gondor, and he was a little single-minded beyond the good of the whole Middle-earth, not just Mm -hmm. the the good of Gondor. Right. All right. Well, that was helpful. Thank you for for talking that through. Well, thanks for asking that question. That, That is an interesting one. Those were all of my examples from this chapter. Perfect. I think those uh, encapsulate both what greed looks like, and then we have some good examples of what selflessness looks like. And I think both of those help us to understand the other that much better. Yes. The conversation. (laughs) The last debate. The last debate. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, with that, shall we transition into our talking with Tolkien? Hashtag TWT. Yes, please. All right, all you. Okay, so I have just two. Um, one is on my page 188, which I think might be on your page 157. And I think it's Aragorn talking to... No, it's Legolas talking to Gimli, I believe. Quote, up with your beard, Durin's son, which I just like as a <laughs> like as an introduction. He said, quote, for thus it is spoken oft hope is born when all is forlorn and i liked that it rhymed because it's easy to remember them and it's in italics Mm -hmm. which makes me think that maybe it's like a like a saying an axiom of the elves i'm sure it's a line of a poem somewhere (laughs) that's much longer and sung to the trees (laughs) in a very lorax like fashion (laughs) yes of course and then my only other quote was on my page 190, which maybe is on your page 160. And I like this. So sort of thinking back to our theme about the greater mission being our driving factor for, for this company. So it starts with, quote, yet it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the succor of those years. Is it succor? Succor? I think it's sucker. Sucker. Okay. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> but to do what is in us for the sucker of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till, what weather they shall have is not ours to rule. And I really like this last bit here. Um, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till, what weather they shall have is not ours to rule. And so I like this as like a, we can provide the tools and the resources for someone to be successful and we cannot control in what environment they will have access to those tools, but we can at least assure that they have something. And I really liked that framing. Um, I felt like it was really, um, a really tangible way to understand 
kind of leaving a legacy of, of resources to those who come after. Prescient. Yes. Yeah, that was a good one. Thank you for... And one of my favorites. Oh, perfect. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, but not one of my TWTs. <laughs> Excellent. All right, well, let's hear yours then. The first one is on my first page of the chapter, which for me is 152. This is as Legolas uh, is walking in and it says, quote, he sang an elven song in a clear voice as he walked in the morning, but Gimli stalked beside him, <laughs> stroking his beard and staring about him. <laughs> I felt very seen in that part. Yes. Ha <laughs> <laughs> walking in beautiful. And Gimli's like, I hate it here. <laughs> yep. Clomp, 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 yes. clomp. Yep. <laughs> So that's that's one. Mm-hmm. My second one is from Gimli when he's telling the story of how the the men of the dead came through and over overthrew Mordor, mm-hmm. and he says, "quote With its own weapon was it worsted." <laughs> I like that one had good uh, alliteration. Mm-hmm. And my last is on the last page of the chapter, the last sentence even. This is Aragorn, quote, Then he drew Anduril and held it up glittering in the sun. You shall not be sheathed again until the last battle is fought, he said. And I just thought that was wildly impractical. I don't know <laughs> what he thinks. Like, he's just going to carry the sword around in his hand. He has a long horse ride ahead of him. Like, mm-hmm. it would be easier if we just put it in the sheath. Right. Yeah, we do have um, some theater kid tendencies yes. in the group where it makes a really good resounding statement and the practicality of it is left a bit to the side. We'll tackle that when we get there, but this is going to be really cool in this moment. <laughs> I'm imagining him like unsheathing it with the loud sound and everyone's like, huzzah, huzzah. And then they stop cheering and they're all just still standing there and it's mm-hmm. like, oh okay well i guess i'll oh no i can't shake your hand with that oh sorry let me just oh and like kind of bumbling around <laughs> with the and then like the sword cut to aragorn's dinner and he's yes. trying to like hack open like a bread and a potato with yes. the sword with to the sword, justify he that just he put it down yes because now it's a matter of pride <laughs> yeah i thought that was I thought that was really, really silly and a little, a little bit short-sighted for somebody who like can see into the future or whatever. Yes, to the point where I didn't understand it to mean literally from this moment <laughs> forward, it won't be unsheathed. But like, we're gonna have a lot of work ahead of us, and so this is gonna be outside the sheath more often than not. But right now, I'll put it away because we've got a pack-up camp. <laughs> That's probably what he meant, but he didn't clarify. No. He didn't clarify. <laughs> he, yeah, he left he left that open for interpretation, and I'm not sure that everyone would arrive at the same conclusion I did. Right. <laughs> so those are my TWTs. Um, there, were, there were some joyful parts in this chapter. <laughs> there were. I continue to love that we just draw these very... These lovely juxtapositions between Legolas and Gimli. And as we were chatting about their entrance into Minas Tirith, I had this image of them being Dexter and Dee Dee from Dexter's (laughs) laboratory. (laughs) Just like stalking along next to Dee Dee, who's dancing her ballet and singing to herself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
that is that is what happened that's the energy of those two but speaking of energy we probably need a little bit of of action and energy leaving today's episode so what action item did you bring for us around greed i would like us all to embody aragorn and be like aragorn and embody that selflessness by tipping your servers Mm. ideally 20 percent no less than 18 even when the service is bad this Mm -hmm. is mostly for people who live in the united states i know not all countries do tipping but please (laughs) tip Mm -hmm. your servers (laughs) okay so this is a great opportunity for me to ask a question that has been plaguing me since the advent of the tablet swipe card at the at the register and then you're asked for a tip when you're like buying a coffee but no one has like come to a table and like brought you anything i still Mm -hmm. tip i still tip because i get nervous about whether that whether that position then can be qualified as a tipped position and so i'm not quite sure what that means for what their minimum wage is because the the tipping minimum wage for folks who don't know in the U.S. at least, is much lower than the minimum wage, even though both are absurdly low, if you want my honest opinion. Um, And I'm not quite sure what to tip in those situations. Do you have any thoughts about that? I do a dollar for a drink. If I'm at a bar, if I'm getting a coffee, dollar for a drink. Okay, perfect. That's that's a weight off my shoulders. (laughs) Yes. And I don't do it uh, if I'm getting like a drip coffee. It's uh, it's more of a a crafted beverage, if you will. Right, right. So yeah, tip your tip your servers. <laughs> just generally, just tip them. Just in general, yeah, tip your servers. Mm-hmm. And companies pay your servers more. Thank you. <laughs> XOXO, the yes. fellowship sisters. <laughs> All right, that's a great action item. That's one we can start executing right away if we haven't been doing it already. Yeah. Also, maybe start to wrangle with, (laughs) as you're interacting with situations you didn't anticipate to be tipping situations, what's going to be your principle and how can you still Mm -hmm. take care of your community (laughs) while also um, not holding up lines. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is always my fear. Yes. Is that I'm going to sit and ponder too long and then I'm going to hold up a line. So that was a little bit of projecting for me. I'll ask <laughs> Today's podcast was brought to you by Gandalf's Pesticide, uprooting evil in the fields that we know. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or an email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. A present, like a gift, a gift forthcoming. Ooh, um, I mean... Yes, in the literal sense that the holidays are near. The holidays are proximate. Yes. But also, I feel the gift of conversation and community imminent today. (laughs) Wow. Um, 
That was me stalling because I realized I had not pulled up my notes. So I'm glad. Oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) We are now there um, and I'm officially ready. Great. Oh, and I'm starting. Okay. (laughs) Yep. 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 If you need to take a minute. Nope. That he's really. Excuse me. A little bit of phlegm there.